Alright folks, welcome to Bizzlecast 210, Critical Crossover, DC Comic Superheroes vs. Star Wars Legends as Dungeons & Dragons characters. Yes, this is for real, one of my best and most fun podcasts ever, which was conceived by Maddie G, who joined me for an epic three and a half hour discussion. I'm uh, dividing it in two. The first part will have the extended intro and the first six character classes of Dungeons and Dragons. And part two will have the back half um, and a little outro analysis and just goofs and screwing around. Um, again, so many thanks and props to Maddie G for the critical crossover idea. Listen in for a few minutes, it'll make more sense. But again, we take the DC Comics heroes, Star Wars Legends, from our perspective, and fit them in to the 12 Dungeons & Dragons classic classes that have informed all of role-playing games, digital and analog, for probably 50 years now. We have a blast. Going to get into the podcast, part one in a second, but first... No, or do not. There is no try. Happy Beach here, buddy. Come on. Copy that. We're almost there. You must have a thousand questions. Where's Ray? Go away. Oh, what are you doing here? When I found you, I saw what all masters live to see. Raw, untamed power. The potential of your bloodline. We need your help. We need the Jedi Order back. We need Luke Skywalker. Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle. Oh, The Bizzle, thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle? Thank you, The Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. All right, ladies and gentlemen of The Bizzle cast, welcome back to The Bizzle cast number 210, here with senior, most senior and junior, longest contributor, <laughs> emeritus, executive, executive uh, in charge of everything, but not no, with no responsibility, Maddie G, Matt Goisman. Um, welcome to the podcast, and as uh, I welcome you in, this was an absolutely brilliant out-of-the-box idea, so rather than me blathering, I'm just going to throw it to you and have you talk about it, because guys, tonight, DC Comics, Star Wars, Dungeons & Dragons, and all sorts of madness all being blended together uh, is going to ensue as we talk about the classic 12 Dungeons & Dragons classes in DC Comics and Star Wars. Matt, this was an absolutely inspired and demented idea. Talk to the Bizzlecast listeners. Well, when you're a sports reporter, you work weird hours, and I was up at probably well past 3 a.m. one night, and you have weird thoughts when you're up past 3 a.m., and I was like falling asleep, and I was thinking something along the lines of, man, Batman would make a pretty cool monk, and Wonder Woman would be a pretty cool (laughs) cleric or paladin or something. Hey, I wonder which superhero would work best for each D&D class. Uh-huh. And then the last thing I thought was, I wonder if this would make for an interesting podcast topic or if this is just stupidity. Yeah. 
Um, just as a random preview uh, 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 for people who are tuning in trying to figure out what's going on. So you picked Wonder Woman as a cleric. This is a little tease. I picked Princess Leia as a cleric. I think we arrived right. at these picks for similar reasons. I don't know. Sure. We'll have to talk about it. But I'm fascinated by, you know, Felicia Day, classically, Codex as a cleric as well. Um, mm-hmm. And they're very special people. Very, you know, multi-talented. Um, so, yeah, man. Uh, uh, this is a really cool idea um and you know we're both into D D. we're involved in different um uh, uh you know levels and so um guys we're gonna have so much discussion and, and matt as i thought about this and, and really i spent a lot of time i've got documents open so if there's a pause here or there it's because I'm, <laughs> I'm multitasking um uh, that's just how my brain works with this stuff i once i commit i commit um right. and i have to write it down um and and so forth and so guys um I, I, we, we've got the 12 classic D&D classes uh, uh, uh classes character classes meaning you know what these people do regardless From of who fifth they edition, are we should make it clear this edition um but dude as i told you i've been reading D&D books since i was literally eight in the late 80s with Dragonlance and tsr mm-hmm. publishers um which was a unique property but it was licensed uh, by dungeon dragons and, and yep. all their I character classes. yeah um most well known for the original trilogy that came out of that the chronicles which was like an you know tolkien level epic battle but it had all the D&D classes and all the different dragons mm-hmm. the color dragons versus the metal dragons and you yep. know all, all that good stuff and then of course there is forgotten realms uh which is obviously you know directly which is still where D&D is set still I mean. where it's set absolutely um and and so forth um i kind of mixed up the order i tried to make it from you know obviously punching to higher level things but also group things together that work for me and i just thought would be interesting you mm-hmm. agreed so we're not going in, in any specific order um uh, but it will make sense we'll start with the barbarian and fighter and so forth and, and move from there um but matt just talk, this will come out mostly as we just dive into it but just very broadly did you have a methodology in terms of the characters um like were you thinking of the characters and then the classes or or the classes and to the characters or both i guess is the question i was more thinking of well it was kind of one or the other like Batman, I came up with very quickly. I'm just going to spoil it. Batman's my monk. We'll get to why later. Mm. Other ones, I would think who would make a good druid or who would make a good bard. So it was sort of superheroes, as much as I like D&D these days, superheroes are still a little bit more on my brain, mm-hmm. um, even though I actually quit reading comics six months ago. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other conversation. Uh, so like the big names, I was like, okay, this guy would be – a good this or a good this like who would the flat the flash would make a good this the flash is not in my list but yep. st- stuff like that then when it came time to actually fill out what we're going to do and what we're going to do is we're going to give our choice for each of the 12 classes and then we're going to list what our seven member party would be mm-hmm. and i picked seven just because that's how many people there are in critical role um mm-hmm. So or nine, depending on who's you ask. Oh, inside joke. Well, they're the might, yeah, <laughs> might be nine. There's only seventy. Anyway, um, so basically, when it came time to fill in all the gaps, then I had to sort of more think. Okay, I've got to fill this class. Who would make a good example for this? So it was sort of a little bit of both. 
Yeah, and dude, I have to say, this was such an engaging uh, endeavor for me, uh, and I needed the break because I've been forcing the, the creative writing, and sometimes you, you have that energy, but you don't feel like writing the thing, you know? And so right. I was like, oh, this is just perfect, and I hit me at the perfect time. <laughs> um, uh, but um, uh, for me... Uh, I think we're burying the lead here, which is people might see the headlines or whatever and say, oh, well, you know, the success of the MCU, billions of dollars, and now with Aquaman, Wonder Woman, DC seems to be doing okay, that we're comparing the, you know, what was the DCEU movie universe to the Marvel Cinematic oh, no, no, nope. We are comparing modern Star Wars canon, which involves like nine different media, including amusement parks, much to my chagrin. <laughs> to DC Comics only that exist on paper or in digital form in desperate cases. Did I get that about right? Yeah, sure. I mean, most of these characters either have only been a little bit represented on in TV or movies, or they haven't really been represented at all. Um, well, actually, that's not true. A lot of these people have been adapted one way or the other. Uh, but certainly the lore that I'm going to draw on is their comic book history more than their CW history or their DCEU history or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So, uh, a couple of things I just want to yes. warn our listeners about yeah. ahead of time. One, this isn't perfect choices. These are just the ones that I came up with that I liked. Every class of in 5e has like anywhere from five to nine subclasses wizards go yes. to schools paladins swear oaths uh barbarians follow ways rogue pick up archetypes so whichever archetype like subclass you go with you could probably find a different character who's a little bit better suited for that yes. so don't hold me to too high as close to standard on this you know the a rogue who is an assassin is going to be a little bit different than a rogue who is an arcane trickster yep. uh simultaneously i have played DD a few times i have read some websites and looked yes. at some uh youtube we are not experts people but we are into this yeah stuff. and i've watched about 200 hours of critical yes. role we are well studied but neither of us have that played doesn't make me an expert in the game yeah. at all so yeah. Don't at me if like my impressions of the of what makes a good class like character are bad. Let's all have some fun with this and keep it light. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't want to speak for you uh, with this specific, but like one way I looked at it is I didn't want to math it. Like right. I wanted to make sure the characteristics fit, and I did probably yeah. way too much work in terms of like the primary abilities, proficiencies, etc., to see that at least some, if not most, aligned or or could be justified, but it had to feel right again with our cleric picks, exactly. which I can't wait for. Um, so very broadly, Matt, to get this going, I did. There is a grouping, uh, a um, very unofficial grouping, but I thought since um, we talked about you you taking the lead uh, most of with the DC and I'll jump into the Star Wars and the lead's discussion I'm sure about the classes <laughs> and um, and so forth um, but I've got the barbarian fighter at the beginning and then the right. bard and the rogue who I as again oh do, and this is the other big thing guys is other than having read like literally probably a hundred fantasy books in my, in my life of all levels um, and it's, I love it and I love it in my science fiction with Dune obviously and, and Star Wars mm -hmm. you guys know me I love fantasy in my stuff 
Um, but it's because I love the big ideas, Matt. I'm sure we'll get into that as well. Um, but it's also super nerdy. You know, it's just like <laughs> it's just that that nerdy itch. So I also have played thousands of hours of. I mean, it, again, from age eight, nine, built. You know, mm-hmm. parents got me a computer way too early and let me play computer games as much as I want. Right. Um, Might and Magic, Wizardry. Each of those games is like a hundred hours. So it's got to be mm-hmm. thousands of hours at this point. I just dropped two hundred on The Witcher before I got sick of it over the last eight months or so i guess um and i love this genre but it's not all straight dnd and so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm saying right here guys i will be referring to you know for example i have a much more complex version of what a cleric is um right. then maybe the strict definition uh, you know informed by warcraft the entire world of warcraft not not just right. world of warcraft but like the, the you know the universe of warcraft that was i played many many years before world of warcraft and the amazing real time strategy games and stuff um that 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 that, that they created for, you know and, and jrpgs you know final fantasy dragon quest chrono right, trigger right, right. but that's got time travel and raymond feist is my favorite non tolkien fantasy writer from america he's from america you know they've got rifts between the worlds and they've got a a a hall a hall of worlds you know where mages talk about gods and demons and the the multiverse and shit like that you know that's why i (laughs) i never thought of it this way man man this will be good and we'll get down to business i think ultimately the reason i turned my nose up at game of thrones is because of what i just described like what okay. I just described, at least fifty percent of that headiness needs to be in an extended fantasy trilogy of thousands of pages. It needs to be philosophically interesting, in addition to exciting and also amazing three-dimensional characters. Game of Thrones does have great characters, but it's just politicking and backstabbing. To me, that's not really interesting. And what's great about watching Critical Role to transition in here, which okay, we good. should give we a shout to out actually back to, to Critical point. Role. Um, and to be honest with you, man. I, I was so in, uh, involved in this. I never thought of them once, even though I've come to like or love pretty much everyone on that show. I mean, there's no one I dislike. I have my favorites, obviously. Um, sure. And it's just an unbelievable production, and, and God bless them. Um, and, you know, this is certainly a tribute to Will Wheaton, Felicia Day, Matt Mercer, and a, a lot of people, but also people we've played with, you know, and just experiencing this over the years. Um, right. And so before we jump into the classes, men, um, uh, I have to say, when you saw my list, what was what was was, was your reaction? Because I, my reaction was like, this is very reasonable. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I mean, had no complaints. Even like Grifter, who's a, a, a very side character, I actually read a bit growing up and loved the stylization right. of it. Uh, you know, and the whole Wildcats thing. I remember reading. I don't even remember that being DC until this this came it up. Was, Wildstorm was only incorporated into DC about like maybe eight years ago. I, they kind of joined up around the time the New Fifty Two yeah. began. Mm-hmm. Um, that was. Maybe literally the last one I came up with, and mm-hmm. I was really not coming up with a good option. And then I remember thinking, oh, wait a minute, there's that Wildstorm guy with the hooded face thing. What's his name? And when I figured that out and read his Wikipedia, I was like, oh, okay, this guy will work. Um, when I read your list, uh, for the most part, I, I agreed with it completely. There are names on the list that I didn't recognize. And yeah. again, the thing with Force users and Jedi is because all of their powers have a – a similar base 
You're going exactly where I want. This is great. Keep going. I don't know enough about the lore to be able to differentiate why, like, Luke should be this kind of guy and Leia should be this other one. This is why you're the senior executive pro forever contributor uh, person with nebulous title because of this stuff. Right. Uh, But for the most part, for the most part, the names that I did recognize or that I looked up later and learned something about – I agreed with completely. So, I mean, I, but the you know Star is, is the Lore biggest thing. That I, yeah. Say what? I was going to say, uh, you know, my, my one observation, and we'll jump in is, uh, ahead of time, is that I think our lists, <clears throat> in terms of like, it, you assign the superhero status to Star Wars legendary characters. The right. One-to-one comparison on a lot of our, our categories, or at least I, I think it matches up well, but the difference is I literally have magic in the Force, and you are having to make jumps of yes. all the various cosmic stuff. Now, don't answer this now. Maybe this will come up. I assume, like with Doctor Strange, there is a form of magic magic in DC somewhere? Just, yes. Okay. It, it so, gets really freaking complicated. Because there is in the Force, too, by the way. There is, there's magic that's not dark side Force and light side Force. There's also magic, and that's going to come up in mine. So this yeah. just gets crazy. This could be some nerdy-ass shit, guys, but I guarantee it will stimulate your brain. DC Comics, Star Wars, Dungeons & Dragons, Matt, let us get this going. All right, bro. So I think this is one of those like no one's gonna under if, they, if people ever understand what we're doing, it will only happen through exemplification. So let's do this. Number one's barbarian. Number two's fighter. As we organized it, mm-hmm. you, you don't have to. You can just go one and then and then the other. But clearly, the two you know fighting classes. Um, and sure. it'd be interesting for, for you again, as someone who's a little more experienced than me and definitely has watched a lot more critical role and stuff than me. <laughs> um, but you know, barbarians are straight up beasts in terms of fighting. It doesn't mean they can't be civilized though. And that's going to be important for my pick and probably your pick. Um, fighters, they're more martial, but they can learn spells, you know, and they have a little bit yeah. more flexibility. Barbarians can too, actually at real high levels. Just take it. Just uh, go. So, Yeah, so the thing with barbarians are, whereas fighters are very much built to wear armor, although if you build like a dexterity-based fighter, which you can do, you may not want much armor, barbarians are not really meant to be armor wearers. They're certainly not meant to carry shields. They are meant to survive on their natural strength and armor class of just like their skin. It's why kind of big, beefy races like Goliath or Asimar or Loxodon are well tailored to being barbarians because um, they have kind of natural constitution buffs. Or okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. This is great stuff, but you're you're jumping ahead a little bit. So back, oh, okay. beep, 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 back up the truck a little bit. For people okay. who are interested in what we're talking about, but not a thousand percent know what you're saying, I understand what you're saying. Oh, uh, what is like I'm not- the primary philosophical difference between the barbarian and the fighter? Yes. Because we're talking. I just want to point out to the audience: we're drawing from a system that deals with elves sure. and orcs. I don't have but, elves yeah. or orcs, and you don't have elves or orcs, so that's a, an important thing. Is our right, w- yes. races we're throwing out the window, and so we're going to have to be flexible with the classes. Sorry, go ahead. 
I just, yeah. want, I just so want to point that out at the beginning. Yeah. Fighters are very similar. They are both combat heavy melee guys meant to really get in the face of whatever they're fighting. Mm. They are meant to be tanks, which is for people who don't know video games. The tank in a party is the guy who basically just stands or Punishment. girl who just stands her and gets punched a lot. Yep. So they are supposed to have Rocky Balboa, baby. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Just stand in there and get hit and, mm-hmm. and then and deal as much damage as you can. But keep the heavy hitters on the other side from hurting your people who can fight from a distance or your magic users who are probably going to be we- physically weaker. Mm-hmm. You know, you stand there and you take a beating. Yeah. Um, but so, Ro- Rocky Balboa might be a fighter, but in D&D, he's a barbarian for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I would say so. Um, the principal difference between barbarians and fighters is that barbarians are not really meant to wear armor, mm-hmm. and they get a special ability called raging and another called reckless, which makes them that much more dangerous when they fight. Okay. That's that's really the, the principal differences between them. Fighters, when they reach a high enough level they mm-hmm. can specialize in some interesting ways but uh and they're supposed to be more like civilized people mm-hmm. barbarians are sort of they live on the edges of mm-hmm. the world and so this is why the bizzle is a good not great gamer because i don't mm-hmm. meta game and right. and i you, barely know what that means I, I you don't have to explain it but i only sort of get the phrase min-maxing, you know? Yeah, I kind of know what that means, too. Yeah. Um, It's, you know, ultimate efficiency at expense of creativity and fun. Um, Right. Which nobody does on Critical Role. Dude, what's great about Critical Role is they do the Avengers thing, which is talented people acting stupidly constantly in hilarious ways, right? Like They clearly designed their people as people first, and then they sort of thought about well, what would this person like be as a class? I, th- I think they had yeah. personalities and backstories first, and yeah. then they figured out what would work best as a class after. I, I'm not saying Mercer doesn't throw major challenges at them, but he makes it spongy when the story is going amazingly, which is exactly what DM should do. Well, yeah, I mean, D&D is interesting because it's communal narrative. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the whole point. What makes it fun and what makes it different from any other kind of gaming experience yeah. is it's a story you tell with people. You know, the, the DM isn't really trying to kill the party. The DM is trying to tell a good story that gets everybody to create along with him or her. Do you ever think Matt Bursar is just plopped on the couch at four in the morning with, with, with Marisha in there just listening to music and he's like motherfucker i wanted to fuck you guys up tonight and it didn't happen god fucking damn you know like in a joking way like you think they talk shop with, with bailey and willingham I, too i guess they I can't they, they can't really talk about it yeah. yeah i know they do post-game conversations on the ride home i don't think he They're married, gives by the way, guys. Lot points to her but uh i think if he's up at 3 a.m he's probably thinking about like what is the potion de- mm-hmm. dealer in the next town they're going to sound like um um, but, um, so, uh, so, uh, what was I going to say? So let's just, you know what? Let's just throw in both of our barbarians and fighters at once here right. into the pool. Um, okay. now guys, we, there's some cases where it's so obvious it, it wasn't even like, there was only one, maybe two where it was so obvious it had to be that person because like that character, you know, in star Wars, man, they develop a script, they come up with stories. Right. Like in some cases they describe the character as, mm-hmm. um, 
as a thing and actually the han solo debate uh, it, it, it i thought was was he was hands down the rogue but i'm going to explain why when i started applying the criteria it got complicated um right uh and so in some cases we there was close ones i have some ties that matt doesn't know who the winners are i didn't know matt i wasn't hiding it from you like when i sent it to you and it was like what one thirty yeah. one thirty in the morning or something i just wanted to get it to i thought probably you're up i didn't realize you're up that late but i was like i think matt's probably up i'll send it to him now um <laughs> i have a couple joke ones but mostly you know r- runners up and right. uh, there's a couple characters like yoda and ahsoka tana who apply to like eight of the 12 characters yeah. categories so in star wars again as you that was the, the the back padding i was giving you earlier was the force bringing in the force talk because that's the right. thing that makes star wars interesting but also can be not interesting and and, and also uh, for our purposes right difficult to compare with with dc but we're starting with the brawlers here so for our purposes barbarians i'll just give it to you guys and i think my example matt um i I don't know if you agree uh it's chewbacca a barbarian you think oh he's just like a big hairy monster he doesn't even speak english one of the great gifts of the really the main great gift to to be perfectly frank of the solo movie is Han and Chewie. It's a new Chewie okay. and it's definitely a new Han Solo, but they have amazing chemistry. He speaks Wookiee to him and it actually works. It's funny, but it's realistic too. Um, they're in a mud pit. They're supposed to kill each other and they start working together and that's how they become buddies. Just like pure primal necessity. Um, but Chewbacca comes from yes, Wookiees who are, you know, giant Ewoks, you know, famously, the, the legend is that Lucas originally wanted to do not an Ewok planet. Excuse me. <laughs> I, I was, try, to I was to trying Kashyyyk. to be diplomatic. Yeah, you were taking a long time to get there. No, you yeah, I was. I was, I was trying to be funny and fa- faux diplomatic, and it just totally failed. It, it, not be not the Ewoks and right. be you know Chewie's folk. And right. uh, the thing is, even though they're in nature and they speak their own language and they are kind of primal and how they fight and brutal they're big and, and they can guess they yeah, have Han has a line in star wars yeah. about how it, it's one thing to play robot chess with a droid but the droid doesn't rip your arms off and beat you to death yeah. if you beat it so yes. clearly chewbacca is capable of great rage we see it in the movies yeah and that i think agree with you makes him a perfect barbarian but even though he fights and has the temper of jane He's actually like an extremely cultured and civilized guy, and the just uh, the the fact that when Han died after mm-hmm. the rage and trying to kill Kylo, immediately at Ray's side because that's what Han would have wanted. I mean, Han was trying to hire Ray. He knows how special she was. Chewie's mm-hmm. smart. He wasn't even there. He knows him. You know, Han says it's too bad Chewie likes you. He's saying I like you. Chewie knows, you know. Right. And so he's so loyal to Ray. And the little porg scenes with Chewie, you take or leave, I don't care. I think they're funny and cute actually, even though I don't love a lot about Last Jedi. I'm cool with the porgs and Chewie. Um th- 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 nevertheless, uh, the, between the, the new movies and his relationship with Ray, uh, well Han, post Han Ray, and uh, and the solo movie, it's, he's such a more complicated character. Point being, throw it back to you: uh, is your person a, a barbarian just in the class sense, um, or also in sort of the core sense? 
Well, like Chewbacca, he he's not a perfect fit. He has definite elements that would make him a good barbarian, but not, but also is more much more cultured than the class is sometimes thought of. Don't say so Roy minus, Harper. <laughs> oh, fuck no. No, Roy Harper is my backup oh, sorry. ranger. Sorry. Um, so this is going to be airing of grievances you to Star Wars, me to DC on TV I'm and movies. Try not to air any grievances. I'm <laughs> We're all lore tonight, baby. This is great. We don't have to talk about news, rumors, actors, salaries, box office. This is fantastic. Now, my barbarian is Hawkman, which I'm only going to give like the shortest explanation of Hawkman's backstory because it's really confusing. There's basically two Hawkmen. There's Carter Hall, who is an Egyptian prince who keeps dying and reincarnating. And then there is Katar Hole who is an alien cop from a planet called Thanagar where all the cops have wings for some reason. It doesn't the one I'm picking is Carter Hall because so barbarians are not supposed to wear armor and Hawkman doesn't. He has a helmet and a wing pack, but otherwise he fights bare-chested, which is very barbarian. They are very much based on the, you know, this ability to rage is their like main ability. It's what you tend to use as your bonus action if you're a barbarian and he his comic for a long time was literally called the Savage Hawkman, so clearly capable of great rage and fueled by anger. And they are also known for their ability to wield really big, giant weapons, giant long swords, giant axes, whatever. Oh, yeah. Hawkman's William weapons, Wallace boner swords, you know what I'm talking about. Yes, exactly. Uh, Carter Hall's weapon of choice is a giant, a like, movie. mace. Uh, n- not the one with the swinging ball, but just... It's like a big club with a spiked ball at the end of it. And not only that, but he runs a museum dedicated to weaponry through the ages. So Mm. he is doesn't wear armor, gets angry, loves big weapons. Mm -hmm. Classic barbarian to me. Yeah, absolutely. Again, Dragon Lance, it's funny. You look back now, and they literally represent like nine or ten in the party, or most of the classes specifically. But they have interesting uh, creatures called like Kender, which are like hobbits, like who are like compulsively thie- thieving. Like, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> like are they are they bird people? Or are they no? They're exactly like hobbits in oh, terms okay. of their size, being but being very mobile. But they're much more okay. worldly. They tra- travel. They're like the um, European stereotype of gypsies, essentially. Ah, yeah. Okay. But but the good guy ones are lovable, and you want them on your side, just like a good rogue. That's a tease. We're not quite there yet. So, right. um, so your barbarian, okay. Um, I, one of my promises for tonight was not huge sidebar. I will say, Matt, you know that going back years now, I've not been excited just in principle about Cosmic Marvel in the less right. cap, Black Panther, Black Widow, Hawkeye, right. yes, ground level, you know, uh, Bucky, those are my favorite characters in Marvel. <laughs> and no amount of Doctor Strange and Guardians of the Galaxy and you right. know, all of this stuff. It's cool in principle. Even Ant-Man, man, which I should love. Paul Rudd plus Marvel plus quantum physics should be a right. slam dunk for me. But, it, you know, they it's they don't really try and do it. I, I would argue the Pixar, the, the deep Pixar movies are way more deeper than this anything supposedly deep in Marvel. My point being, 
I've only read probably a couple dozen, like anything having to do with like Cosmic DC, Green Lantern, but I'm well aware of right. it. And I know there's two things DC does better than Marvel, even though I have way less experience, is sustaining single characters in multiple comic books over a long period of time who are very weird but compelling and three-dimensional and the cosmic stuff. And even though I know just the Green Lantern terrible movie with Ryan Reynolds and so forth, which he you know, makes fun of in his own Deadpool movies now whatever blah 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 blah, blah. I, I would love more cosmic stuff so that was that that was cool you know the, the hawk characters the green lantern characters like i i don't know the mechanisms like mutancy i understand almost too scientifically right. this is kind of cool for me um you could talk about some you know if, if there's any uh synergy between sort of the mechanisms of the superpowers and then what's traditionally associated yeah i, I am going to get into that with other characters awesome. they're just okay. there isn't really one with hawkman so his Immortality comes from a metal called nth metal. I don't really know how that relates to barbarians, so I was just going to leave it out other yeah. than to say that's what it is. Um, it's a MacGuffin substance. It's DC like DC comics are definitely like um, like high level literalists. Like he's like the Flash, so let's call him the Flash. But it's brilliant. Yeah. You're like, yeah. Why make it complicated, Captain? That's Captain America. That's why it's the best Marvel name. So who's your fighter? My fighter is Superman. Okay, uh, here we because- go. Here we go. This is this is guys, buckle up. This is the intro into the heavy nerd stuff here, but also why we love these properties and why we think D and D is is applicable. Go ahead, buddy. Yeah, I mean, like barbarians, actually, in some ways more so because they can wear armor. Fighters are supposed to get in there and take the punches that other people don't. And Superman's. He's got a lot of powers. He wouldn't be bad in some of these other classes either. He's certainly quite fast, but his super strength and his invulnerability are probably the two abilities of his that play themselves out the most in any given comic. His ability to stop bullets instead of dodge them. His ability to, you know, the first image of Superman ever is him literally lifting up a car. I mean, that's the cover of Action Comics 1. So... If you want somebody who is strong and has good constitution, which for people who don't know D&D stats, your constitution is what determines how like how much of a hit you can take, your HP, things like that. Superman is a very, very... We call that soak. Yeah. Yeah, is a very good, clear choice for that. Fighters also have some leadership potential. They can subclass into something called champions and lead others. And Superman has always kind of been the natural leader of the mm. DC universe. So I, I think, one, any party based on DC heroes has got to have Superman in it, and I think Fighter is perfect for him. Yeah, I mean, as a nerdy kid, the equation for me, if it was a party, was, okay, Barbarian, 100% strength, 0% anything else, like, in terms right. of fighting. Fighter, 70 to 80% strength, 20 30%, I can slowly learn some spells or do some yep. other it was like sort of a, 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 a barbarian light plus if that makes sense you know mm-hmm. um uh, you could but you could wear the armor you know but uh yeah and he has i mean yeah at various times but, no, but you might not you might not i mean i you know i, I again 200 hours witcher i've had you know does dozens of pairs of like legendary armor and i end up wearing light to medium because i like the dexterity movement you know sure um and so um, the Superman, um, you know, this is the perfect ex- way to jump in in terms of like what his his powers are because of the sun. 
But yeah, Superman, because he now lives on a planet with a hotter star that emits more energy, his cells are capable of functioning with less. So when they're given more, they just soak it all up like a battery. Mm -hmm. And that makes him super strong and gives him flight for some reason and a bunch of other powers. Yep. I, I knew I was going to get stuck on Superman because he's the one superhero in both universes I never understood. Um, I'm starting to understand it through Supergirl a little bit, but, right. um, you know, um, uh, it's sort of like I never understood Captain America at all until Chris Evans. Um, right. And, uh, well, whatever. Um uh, but uh, uh, y- you know, it's just it's just an interesting thing. Um, I will say, Matt, and then we'll move on to the next set of classes. We got Bard and Rogue, um, I believe. Well, you got to give your fighter. Um, yes, I, I will. I will. Um, uh, but uh, uh, we we should point out that you know when you're playing a a a, a small party or a big party will inform you know, some of these decisions, right? I mean, if you only have two or three characters, like, you want the sort of more multi-class, quote-unquote, or just multidisciplinary, you know, Wesleyan, uh, multidisciplinary classes, um, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, fighter, like, uh, paladin, ranger, right? Cleric. Um, mm -hmm. Um, No, I agree. Uh, but if you want a fighter and you're okay, picking so here DC we go. characters, here we go, man. baby. Here we go. All right. So barbarians, right. Chewbacca, uh, runners up, <laughs> wicked the Ewok and all the Ewoks sure. who I love dearly and screw you. If you don't like Ewoks, actually, I don't care if you like Ewoks, just don't broadcast that. You hate, you hate Ewoks. Um, cause they might hear the space it city bears. and be unhappy. Uh, but, but also the Gungans and all the various semi-primitive right. rebellious aliens. By the way, never talked about humans are you know both the vast, like in Star Trek, the vast superior numbers and in command and look down on pretty much all the aliens, even the way more um, like Ahsoka species who are way more advanced like Vulcans are. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so forth. So whatever. Chewbacca, Barbarian. Fighter Man, see, this is where it started getting difficult for me. Um, I right. thought about putting Fighter lower on the list, um, uh, and that's why I wanted to put Fighter earlier. Fighter was the one I struggled with the most, and mm. I smartly put aside towards the end uh, uh, because I, I couldn't understand how to do it, and my list is so long because you can basically be a barbarian that just wears armor and has slightly different characteristics as a fighter. You can have right. some magic, and so I was like, all right, so am I doing force characters? or non-force characters so sure i decided that to make it interesting i would do force characters but who are spectacular fighters at least in canon and lore guys sure. uh, you know and side note I, I don't care if you like the prequels neither me nor matt really like the prequels um i'm gonna be bringing in some pro- other properties talk about some no, of these but they're characters, all canon so but it's all canon so, it, so we're talking about it as yeah. canon so that's that's yeah. that's what we're doing so non-force runners up matt um the 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 the, the if I had to give it to a non-force person, it would be Baze Malbus, who's the the giant um, uh, Chinese guy who's Donnie Yen. The machine gun thing? Yeah, he's got the huge auto blaster yeah, that looks like would... Ghostbusters, and he's got the rocket launcher. Yep. You can yeah, just he's tell perfect. he's a weapons expert. If he can use those two weapons, he can literally use anything. He, he He's hitting death troopers with his, you know, the Ghostbusters yep. gun or whatever the hell it is that he's got. It's clearly big enough and strong enough to take a hit or two yeah no, 
that's a good runner up choice. I yep. so far he and no religious connotations. I just want to point out. I, I wanted him to be not you know anything having to do with religion, deities, gods, and so forth right. because he's specifically sure. um, a, a you know someone who has turned away from the faith. Um, at least in in Donnie Yen's opinion, we will get back to that. You know, me growing up, I, I didn't need to be the main character. I wanted to be Wedge Antilles. I wanted to be the best pilot in the fleet. And the ironic thing, Matt, is Poe Dameron was supposed to be like, let's take Wedge, make him a main character with an amazing Academy-nominated actor, great writing and execution. And they got the actor part right, but the writing and execution yeah, for Poe Dameron has not... They didn't give anything to do in The Last there. Jedi. Yep. And uh. so if you're going to go for someone who actually defends the people he loves once he makes up his mind and is a total sexy rebel badass that would be Cassian Andor uh, would get a, right. a nod as a fighter because he can fight in so many ways. He saves Jin's ass. I mean, he kills good guys to save Jin multiple times. I think he's more of a rogue, but... Yep, well, we're going to... Yeah, that'll come up. Um, but ultimately, man, it came down to Mace Windu, Windu and Kylo Ren. And here's mm-hmm. where it gets even more nerdy, which is me playing a Star Wars Destiny and other, you know, licensed Star Wars games, strategy games. Not that I have not haven't recently, but I've played right. no about yeah, yeah, yeah. It has informed this, but it, when you look at the movies combined with cartoons, books, comic books, it's clear that, you know, like just as like a giant fighter, like almost like a barbarian, but with force powers, you've mm-hmm. got Kylo Ren on the dark side with his cross saber, whatever you want to call it. And you got Mace Windu, uh, Sammy J, this party's over, um, with purple lightsaber. And Mm -hmm. you'd be surprised how many people loved Mace Windu, even before the, the rejuvenation of, you know, the, of the canon or whatever, because of Sammy J it's a purple lightsaber. It's Sammy J, you know? And like it, it, it's one of the horrible parts of the long hour long Anakin turn that's so painful at the end of the prequel trilogy is how easily he defeats Mace Windu and tricks yep. him and knocks him out. I mean, and, and the Emperor, I mean, the, that whole staging is some of the worst staging um, in the scene that should be like a classic movie scene, like Casablanca level epic. Nope. <laughs> But Mace Windu's an awesome character, and he's super powerful in all the games and all the comics. And Matt, they look to him on the council as the martial um, uh, master. Like, he's yeah. considered in his lifetime to be by far the best just straight fighting um, uh, lightsaber uh, fighter. And he doesn't even use force powers, hardly at all, because he doesn't need to. And But he's arrogant as shit. And so the fact that mm-hmm. he's, you know, that's the whole point is him having a voice on the council is not the smartest thing because he's just an unbelievable fighter you know um but he is a master and and yoda trusts his judgment and so he's got a little bit of that force ability i i i'm I, this might be just sort of you know i don't want to do cult of the new um and go um with, with a slightly off kilter pick but the bottom line is if i'm going to because I have trouble with this one, man, I, and all the ones are gonna, other ones are going to roll much faster because the fighter was the one that really knocked me up, and I couldn't figure it out. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? If I'm going to no- if I'm going to math one of the character uh, the categories, it's this one. I mathed it. Mace Windu wins one on one. He would beat the shit out of Kylo Ren in oh, a lightsaber sure. battle. Kylo Ren loses all of the fights that we've seen him fight well, with people. Like he he did get shot to the chest with no protection from Chewie's crossbow before this is true. Finn and, and Ray. 
So we haven't seen him, and we have to assume him taking over Luke's temple wasn't so easy, just murdering people in their sleep. I'm sure there's battles, and they have to show us. That's the other problem, man, is like Kylo Ren is such a better villain than I could have hoped for in the new trilogy, but mm-hmm. th- like Poe Dameron, but much more importantly, they haven't reached his full potential. And um, I-, I-, I could say the same about Ray, but Ray's closer um, because yeah. Kylo's so complicated. And, I agree. And I don't think JJ and um, Ryan were simpatico about Kylo um, necessarily on everything, which is cool. Um, but yeah, I Mace Windu you- would be the shit out of him, and therefore the champion's belt for fighter number two, Mace Windu. For sure. I, I actually uh, – I think in both those characters' cases, you have actors doing a really good job with material yes. that's not that great so that Mace Windu is really beloved and well-liked and well-remembered because Samuel L. Jackson is really cool. Adam Driver has emerged in the last two years as a really, really talented young actor. The two Force perf- Awakens scenes between them are, uh, are all-time yeah. great. I mean, yeah. And opinion. his ability to sell – that story and that emotional arc yeah. is what saves, I agree, a, a little bit of inconsistency and some some issues with the, the other aspects of how Kylo Ren is used in, this, in The Last Jedi. Uh, in terms of Mace Windu as a fighter, yes. so fighters have an ability called superiority oh, dice. give it to me, can, baby, go. Where they basically, I think, get to just do extra damage uh-huh. because they're that good. Yep. That seems like something Mace Windu would absolutely do. Mm-hmm. And they also, I think, have the ability to give orders on the field. Uh, I don't quite understand how that mechanic works, but they have some capacity to lead others. Mm-hmm. And clearly, Mace Windu is the military head of the Jedi Order. I mean, he's mm-hmm. the one who directs the entire assault on mm-hmm. the Geonosis. Is that what that planet's called? Yep. In, uh, yep. Um, so attack of the clones yeah so his his card in star wars destiny uh card um card dice collectible card game which is still played competitively and they make a shit ton of money um is really interesting because um so you know you're rolling dice but they have card values that they represent or whatever and you have to actually pay resources to even put him in play but within three turns you could do like most people have eight to eleven damage per character you can drop 16 to 20 damage on one turn in like four turns if you play it right with mace window in that game it just slaughters that and the artwork and everything you know like the mechanics all represent it but you watch but then of course and this is this is the other note man is i'm really going to try and limit the Clone Wars uh, Rebels talk specifically towards the end and, and around Ahsoka and stuff. So, right. like Mace Windu is way cooler as all the characters from the prequels are by far in the Clone Wars than they were in the prequels. It's not even close. Um, they corrected everything and brought in Ahsoka and made everyone better. Anakin is likable and all sorts of great stuff. <laughs> but, um, but you know, I'm I'm, I'm not going to try and you know most people have the image of, of Sammy J kicking ass and Attack of the Clones. So, you know, God yeah. bless. We have to assume that, but leading up to that, you know, he's already getting a little bit towards middle age, obviously, like right. um, Nick Fury, uh, you know, a storied fighting past. Um, so now we are moving into the scoundrels uh, category with the bar- yep. bards and the rogues. One of the many reasons the very, very good solo movie didn't have traction was people i think wanted scoundrelly episode four han not good guy return of the jedi han yeah. 
And they gave us that. a younger version that hinted at both versions, but it was very clear that ultimately he would do the right thing after he, you know, like was a scoundrel for a while. I love that. And I think, again, it, 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 the writer literally, uh, Lawrence Kasdan, behind all of this, I, I have to respect it. And I like the vision, but I understand that. And that would be my argue against Rogue. Um, uh, but I'm going to save that for one sec because I, 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 I the, Jin jumped in at the last minute there, not just because I love Jin. I actually didn't think she was going to be on anything for sure. Really quickly, man, though, if, would you mind if I do Bard uh, first? Sure. Well, before I do Bard, describe to our our uh, audience why a, a list that involves words like a barbarian, paladin, sorcerer, warlock, uh, a musician should have one of the 12 spots on this list to the uninitiated. Uh, well, I think in any fantasy setting, there's always going to be people who are minstrels, who are performers, um, and bards have their own unique skills. You know, the, the big thing a bard can do is a bard can inspire others to perform better than they normally can. The bardic inspiration die is actually a pretty useful, uh, buff you can give to somebody else. Um, so it's another kind of sort of, you know, pseudo magic user, it, I think it certainly enables some kinds of role-playing options and narrative options that no other class gives. Um, but I think the Bard is kind of one of the classic ones, and I'm glad that this system also allows you to have a little bit more fun and play a guy who's a stand-up comedian or a rock star or something like that. The Witcher has the greatest I've ever read in fantasy in terms of just writing dialogue in, in Dendelion, the Polish Tolkien, whose name I can't right. pronounce, who did The Witcher, Dendelion, who's the Witcher sidekick. Even The Witcher cannot stand his annoying, right. pretentious, lazy ass, but he's so loyal and he is a brilliant philosopher and poet. Is great. Um, uh, but, dude, this is the medieval thing. And some people, this is a good point I, to point out, that as much of a, of a Tolkien loyalist as I am, I've told you that series like Dune were more important to me uh, as much as I love Tolkien, love the movies, love the books, and Star Wars in a lot of ways. Um, more important to me. And it's important to point out that D&D was not just ripping from Tolkien in the 60s it's and 70s. Tolkien, it's Tolkien, but it's also Lovecraft. It's also like they, they go deeper on some of the Germanic stuff, but they also go more fairy tale than Tolkien did. You know, mm -hmm. like Tolkien had goblins and orcs, but now their classes and totally different right. species. They weren't totally different species in Tolkien. They morphed and, you know, yeah. there were different names for different creatures and, like, the Ents. Like, uh, uh, right. know, is there anything like the Ents in D&D? Like, it's, it's interesting to think. Are there tree people? Not that I'm, I'm – actually, I'm, I'm going to guess there are some kind of tree people, but well, this is not a, a, there's not a playable mm -hmm. race of tree people. Well, this is, this is definitely the pick that was from the gut for the bard. It was from the gut. It was just an image. I knew it immediately because it's one of the most powerful images of Star Wars for me in, in all of cinema. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I think you're going to know what I'm referring to when Yoda has to prove to, to Luke about the forest and picking the X-Wing out of the right. swamp. 
Do you remember what Yoda's doing with his arms and hands as that's happening? He's not doing Neo like just reach your hand out and like have magic happen. He's plucking at strings. Like he's clearly plucking as if it was a harp or a loom. Like he's pulling at the strings of the universe. And, and, Mm -hmm. And this image has just been so... Um, get more and more uh, graphing taking on more importance um, over time and that is when Yoda's functioning as represented by his connection to living planets he's been on a lot of crazy planets like Dagobah he chose Dagobah mm-hmm. for a reason he, he doesn't function well in Coruscant that's why his mind's so clouded in the prequels one of many reasons he needs to recover in the natural environment so there are connections here man and, and this is when I want to invite you um, in terms of storytelling or character characters if there's something far down the list that connects this is now the the floodgates are open pull it in but you know yoda doesn't play instruments but dd does a nice job as you pointed out with the stand-up you know comedy thing or like of of really opening up the definition of what 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 a bard is and yoda is just a sort of a musical being and and so this is again this is i did not math this one whatsoever but i i felt like that was such a natural um uh uh yoda moment because I mean, would you agree with me that he makes it look much harder than it is for him as a show for Luke? I mean, we know, you know, I guess Yoda's old, but he could do that in his sleep. I think he's putting on a show for Luke. It's a lesson that Luke doesn't really understand at the time. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think Yoda makes it look hard. I think the whole point of that scene is to demonstrate that it's actually really easy, that Mm -hmm. if you really are one with the Force, Mm -hmm. there is no difference between lifting a rock and lifting a multi-ton spaceship. Mm -hmm. Uh, to your point, yes. I, I agree. One, I think there's a natural theatricality to Yoda. I yes. think he's also one of the funnier characters, maybe because he was, you know, he's a fucking Muppet, uh, which works for the, for it. He's inspiring very clearly. Um, and there's also, I don't know if you've ever seen the Star Wars bad lip reading where he sings a song about seagulls. Uh, <laughs> no. Sounds, YouTube this. Do you know promising. what bad lip reading is, the YouTube channel? Uh, I don't think so, No. Okay, I there are a lot of these. There's one for Game of Thrones, uh-huh. there's one for lots of politics, but there's one for Star Wars where he, he just starts singing this song about seagulls. Uh watch it at some point. Mm-hmm. It would be very appropriate for the guy who sings a song about seagulls to wind up being mm-hmm. a bard. I think it's a fine choice. Mm-hmm. Um I think he's a performer. I think he is an inspirer. There are different schools that you go to when you reach a high enough level in Bard, and one of them is Glamour, and I think he definitely uh, falls under that category of doing kind of glamorous, illusory magic. So I I think it's a fine choice for him, and you can't do this without having Yoda in somewhere. I mean, he's one of the signature characters of Star Wars. He's going to endure forever. Yeah. No, you're right. It wasn't that it was hard. It was that he wanted to lend a physicality to the manipulation that he was doing. And let's be clear. I mean, the strict definition of a bard or like what you'd play in an RPG in a group, um, you know, party setting uh, RPG or whatever, um, or pen and paper, like literally can have instruments that, that create magical spells. Right. I mean, that's, Mm -hmm. but, but, but Yoda's doing that through the force. Um, and so, um, I, I just have always loved that image. Like I said, he's a musical character. I joke, 
jokingly said runner-up was Max Rebo Band from the, from the, from the cantina. Because <laughs> they're the only real band... Uh, not including the Sice Noodles fiasco in Return of the Jedi during the very dark early Job of the Hut scenes, and then all of a sudden these CGI Muppets come and start performing for nobody. Oh, oh my God, it's so horrible. Yeah, that, that that was a special edition scene, right? Oh God, yes. Um, I, I remember watching that, being like, "What the fuck am I watching?" But there's no way yeah. Lucas filmed this 30 years ago. Yeah. So, but but really quickly though, this is just funny with Max Rebo Band quite recently. Recently, uh, um, I, no, actually, it was, la- it was like a year ago, the 40th anniversary. They released 40 short stories written by, you know, everyone from Wheaton to uh, Scalzi mm-hmm. might have done one to more traditional, like Christy Golden, whatever, like very short tales of the entire original New Hope, all mm-hmm. the side characters, like who decided not to shoot on from uh, the uh, escape pod with the droids in it, you know? Right. Yeah, and, yeah. and they tell that story. And apparently, like, the Max Rebo band is, like, well tied in uh, subclass to, like, the whole hut under underground thieving culture. Oh, my God, it's hilarious. So to think of them going on a campaign with the Mighty Nine or something like that would just be so funny. So sure. I'm very curious to uh, where the bard, uh, let's call it what it is, archetype fits in in the dc universe so uh, my bard user is um zatanna uh, wh- who is a magic user she is the daughter of another wizard named zatara not super creative her gimmick is she is Literalists. So, yeah so in her regular life she's a stage uh magician you know she performs in vegas and at shows and things like that she wears a traditional you know, she's got a leotard and a the magician's top hat and, mm-hmm. and fishnet tights, like how assistants in David uh, Copperfield shows kind of wear. So, perform her gimmick is that she speaks spells by saying things backwards. So, like, like if she wants you to s- is it like Dazzler, what? like Dazzler next men, the the rock star mutant Dazzler. Uh, oh, I mean, they're both professional performers. I thought Dazzler's thing is she just shoots like light and makes pyrotechnic effects. Like Zatanna can actually affect reality. Her gimmick is when she wants to cast a cell, she says it backwards. So if she wants to say you to stop, she's going to say pots or something like that, you know, or die would be I, you get what I'm saying? Like she literally just says the effect yeah. backwards. But I, I wanted mean, Dazzler imagine- has like a rap, like mutant rap battles with lyrics. It's really bizarre. Okay, I know very little about Dazzler from Captain Marvel. I- I, from reading the early Carol, the, early right. the new, the early new 2012 Carol Danvers that the movie's based on. I read a, a bunch of the graphic novels. Um, some good, some less good. The Dazzler is really bizarre. Um, I, I didn't realize there was a, a character. Like, I guess not surprising. Maybe multiple characters like that in the DC. Um, yeah, I, Zatanna was a Silver Age character when there was a lot of kind of experimentation with characters like this. Um, you know, I wanted a magic user who was good at theatricality. Mm-hmm. Um, theatricality and deception, anyway. Um, <laughs> Theta! Yeah, so uh, that was kind of my choice for that. I didn't have a super good choice in this category because there aren't a lot of like music people yep. who are... Uh, in in DC that I could think of, I'm sure there are a couple. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but there's none, nobody I can think of who like is a professional musician by day and a superhero by night. So this was kind of kind of the best option I could come up with. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not it's not my favorite pick, and yep. definitely when we introduce our seven par- ba- uh, person party later, she's not in it. Mm-hmm. But for Bard, this is who I'm going with. So uh, as I knew it would happen in this complicated podcast, I've already screwed up numerous times on numerous things. But the one I have to cop to because I want to change is I promised I would give a very short sort of the official D&D blurb description of the classes. Fighter, Barbarian, you did a great job um, of explaining. But, but, But Bard, again, this is what triggered the Yoda thing, an inspiring magician whose power echoes the music of creation. I was like, okay, this has got to be Yoda. And of course, the runner-up for this was Ahsoka Tano for similar reasons. Um, And uh, for these classes, you know, they have special, you know, uh, certain abilities or proficiencies um, that Mm -hmm. they're they're good in. Dexterity, I I guess, for fighting and manipulating things. And then charisma, uh, that definitely both describes um, Yoda. Does that just... Charisma seems to definitely describe your character. Yes, very charismatic. Zatanna. 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 Yeah. Um, What's the source of Zatanna's power? Magic. I I, I actually... I don't know what the specific, like... I don't know if somebody in her family made a deal with the devil at some point or Mm. what. There's... 50 different like wild energy sources in mm-hmm. DC that can grant you what seem like magic powers. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what Zatanna specifically is, but she's generally just of the mm-hmm. the branch of heroes who are straight up magic users. And they're not mm-hmm. elementals, they're not uh, manipulating like weird energy from another dimension. They're just she's just a magic user. In general, I'm not going to read the list of types of weapons they can use because it doesn't apply at all in either case. Right. Um, but needless to say, the Bard and the Rogue are exactly the same. They can only have light armor, but they can use a ton of different kinds of weapons. Um, right. So that certainly fits in as well. Um, so let me um, l- let me let you do Rogue. Um, Explain the differences with the bard. Are, are they vast? Sure. Um, are they just thematic with the musical thing versus the thieving thing? Because there's a lot of similarities. This has actually been the one that's always confused me since I was a kid, to be honest with you, other than the personality of the character. So go ahead. All right. So rogues are, they are what they sound like. They are scoundrel characters. They are generally kind of characters who live on the outskirts or the fringes or they live in the downtrodden parts of cities. They are good range fighters, although they can sometimes be melee guys. They are good at, you know, if you have one in your party, probably that's the one who's going to be picking locks or checking for traps or doing any kind of breaking and entering or criminally stuff. Um, they can also be assassins uh, mm-hmm. if they get strong enough and that's the direction they want to go. But they can also be what are called tricksters, um, they can be, you know, so they are very good all purpose characters that are more designed to be, uh, not get up in people's face, not as magic usury. Mm-hmm. Um, although they do a little bit of magic and I kind of think rogues are a little bit of a selfish class. Bards are really meant to make other people better. Um, or they can be rogues. I don't think are as naturally built to that kind of game. So like true. And I, like if you're a rogue, you're kind of going to be – you don't have to be like a chaotic evil character, but your skills are kind of going to be something where it's like you help out the party because it's beneficial to you to do so. 
Wow. Um, that almost completely describes my rogue dwarf from my last big campaign where I didn't plan on, I knew I was going to be a dwarf. I wasn't planning on being a rogue or selfish, but I played to it without even realizing it. I was such an asshole. <laughs> I, I was more like chaotic neutral. I, I definitely wasn't evil and I w- ultimately was loyal to my friends, but I would, sure. I, I would do what the stuff that I love on uh, critical role, which was to try and be creatively chaotic and unproductive. Right. And some people that I gamed with really, like that and some were less interested in the role playing and this is always the thing man and more want to get to the dice rolling so you know so um uh, but that was really fun because i never played rogue and like single player rpgs like uh, you know video games mm-hmm. growing up at all like i was never into that that sort of thing but it does allow you to you know part of this is telling your own story right and yeah. so you want to find the one that can let you be creative and so right. if you're going to be a barbarian you have to be more creative on sort of the role role-playing element of it because right you can i mean you can every there's no one way to play the game i'm always of the opinion that when people create characters like this Mm -hmm. or like anything they're always a combination of things that they wish they were and things that they know that they are so Mm -hmm. like i am not aggressive i don't get in fights with people ever but i like D characters who can get in there and punch a little bit Mm -hmm. because i'm not aggressive in real life um well you're paladin which is like a healing brawler which is great yeah but my i will get to this when we get to paladins my dude was a conquest paladin whose Uh job was to fuck shit up yeah mostly i used my healing abilities very rarely because we had clerics and like true healers so i was mostly just punching things or hitting up with a hammer as as it were word so um your rogue so my rogue is grifter uh which in the 90s, there was an alternative to Marvel and DC called Wildstorm. Uh, there was a cartoon called Wildcats for a few years because in the 90s, the thing with superheroes was to make a cartoon out of them. Just like yep. the thing to do with superheroes in the 2000s is to make a movie franchise out yeah, of them. don't say. Yeah, that, that, that's, we pretty much just went from cartoons to live action and TV to movies, and now we're kind of going back to TV. Um, but... One eventually I'm Star Wars guy shitting on comic book movies, uh, you know. Yeah. So. <laughs> the, I mean, Wildstorm. There was kind of uh, the guy who really spearheaded that was a guy named Jim Lee. He eventually came over to DC and brought basically the entire Wildstorm canon with him, including a character named Grifter, who is a marksman and a con artist and a covert mm-hmm. ops specialist. All skills that are pretty much perfect for being a rogue. I kind of. I was also thinking maybe Catwoman would be a good option. Certainly good at breaking and entering, finding traps, sneaking around, being unseen, moving at night. All good things for monks. I'm sorry for rogues, but rogues usually, or at least the ones that I've seen, are usually like crossbow guys, or they throw daggers from a distance. That's Catwoman's weapon of choice has always been a whip, mm. which is a little bit closer to the action than I think most rogues would like to be. I think uh, Grifter is pretty much perfect, both in personality and skill set. So, uh, you know, again, this is a lore podcast, you know. Right. So, you know, we're not making huge judgments tonight. Um, Not that I would ever do such a thing. Um, (laughs) But um, I think it's fair to say that Anne Hathaway's portrayal of Selena Kyle's Catwoman is definitely a rogue. (laughs) 
like an excellently drawn just from a numerical standpoint rogue like the way she behaves early on her goals her abilities lock picking you know yeah th- that's sort yeah, of yeah i would agree with that i mean but she's, also bigger she's a, scams huge scams yeah i mean she's a cat burglar i mean mm. that's and michelle which, pfeiffer too obviously the great y- yes the th- she's the thing more with playful, Batman, though, yeah. Well, the thing with Batman Returns is it's really weirdly fetishy, so it's kind of hard to figure out what they were going for with any of this, except to like have people wearing rubber costumes mm-hmm. and beating each other up in what almost seems like S and M porn. So, mm-hmm. Batman Returns is a, a little bit of a weird case to discuss, I think. Um, so I was bizarrely into Grifter. I look at it now. It's a terrible design and totally impractical, but it reminded me of, so let's, we should be clear. A lot of these imprints and experiments either led to image comics, was trying to be image comics or sent people to image comics. Um, and so, you know, the, the, the stylization was part of what I loved. Uh, what I didn't know was that Rob Liefeld, the, the, the creator of, uh, you know, 320 pound, uh, Wolverine because of his muscles, um, and poorly drawn face, uh, and women who make absolutely no anatomic sense. Let's just say that his most famous character, Deadpool, there's a reason he doesn't have a face. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> or feet. Uh, yeah. Rob Liefeld was very bad at feet. But I, I liked Gambit, like, uh, age-wise, right before Liefeld came in and, and made him, you know, he was a skinny, scrappy guy when I was reading. It was, it was Jim Lee and Chris Claremont, but Liefeld right. wasn't in there yet. And so I'm horrified and can't read those buff uh, Gambit stuff. But he did remind me of Grifter, and it was a darker thing. It was an assassin, you know, he was, he was an assassin. I think he was killing people. Um, which raises a question here, Matt. So I'm bringing Star Wars new canon to the table, or official canon, whatever you want to call it. You're bringing DC Comics to the table. Very different right. morality when it comes to the killing or not killing a villain. So the question is, are we applying the Dungeons & Dragons morality towards villains, or the DC Comics, Marvel Comics morality towards villains? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I, I'm sorry, you got to say that again. I, <laughs> so once we put our characters in place, you know, Grifter, right. Superman, we're putting in, in, oh, by the way, guys, I'll add this in the beginning, I meant to mention this. Um, as I mentioned in the beginning, guys, we are creating a final party of seven from the 12, yeah. um, but uh, it'll be clear by the time we get there, for the most part. Right. Um, but, uh, but but you know what I'm saying? Um, uh um and so um fuck where was i going with that something about morality i i oh yeah 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 um so yeah so put we we put our party together in part you know right. uh like a, like a critical role or or titan's right. grave whatever blah blah, right. blah 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 and then we go out in the world and then if it's dc we run into an army of orcs and try and lock them all up behind bubbles for life <laughs> <laughs> no we'll be we'll be playing with D's rules Woo! that if you come up with if you come upon a bad guy and don't kill it it will probably kill you see uh, obi-wan so no, see lightsabers so like see no more head <laughs> yes exactly so like if superman came upon a black dragon he would punch the dragon's face off if the opportunity came t- yeah. uh, to pass. So this is uh, this is like the injustice morality of, of DC. 
Awesome. Um, so, okay. So, Bard, Rogue, very bizarre for your universe. Makes maybe a little bit more sense for my universe. Um, so, here's the thing, man. So, you hear Rogue, you think Scoundrel, and you think Han Solo. Like, yes. no question. Okay? But let's be clear about a couple things. One, Han is not a petty thief. It, his, he always has long plays, you know, long games that he's doing. Sure. Which is different than most, I would say, rogues. Right. In D&D, right? I mean, I, I think that depends character to yeah. character. Well, and now in, in five movies, only through most of New Hope was he incredibly selfish and truly, like, you know, an, an amoral or immoral guy. Mm-hmm. In Solo, the other two original trilogy movies, and definitely as, you know, lovable old Uncle Han, uh, may he rest in peace, in episode seven, you know, is a good guy. He just has marital problems and, and, right. and, and wanderlust, essentially, which is a character, a characteristic, by the way. Um, I, like a, right? That's, wanderlust is like a technical characteristic. Um, uh, of the rogue that might just be a character building thing um because i don't know it yeah. might be a background feature yeah. i'm not sure what's what i love about you know in the fifth edition in the in the associated materials quick plug is you know you can create your own story which is what most people do anyways but they do give right. you some tools to, yeah. to to try and expand your personal story right and i think that the, uh, again, n- reason number 732 that people didn't see Han Solo movie, they already created that story in their head, and they didn't want to see it with not Harrison Ford on the big yes. screen. I know you agree with this. Yes. I believe this very strongly. I also think mm-hmm. people are not as interested in a character where they just, like, a year ago watched that character die. Oh, like, yeah. we know what Han's end was. So I don't know that actually the origin is all that interesting anymore because we know everything interesting that happens to him. Yeah. So that's my exact he, opposite attitude towards characters and movies, but that's okay. Uh, so anyway, let's get back to, to who you're dealing No, no, wrote. no. I think, I think, I think most people agree with you. I, I love the, the story, but I'm Disney has beaten me down with, sequels with prequels to the sequels to the prequel prequel sequels you know what you give me great production writing casting it's going to come up in the animated series with ahsoka new anakin obi-wan etc right even material that has been you know we've all said is is un um forgivable and irredeemable was redeemed and made cool again they even brought darth malk back to life another teaser definitely coming up later which might be my most interesting one is darth maul as the warlock um but dude the problem is when you look at the the actual description of the uh, the sort of enhanced description of the rogue skill stealth sort of subtle uh, playing on foes vulnerability Mm -hmm. mastering subtle skills being a a little or sort of good at a lot of things um Mm -hmm. uh, and being a street rat i mean jen urso is described as being a a street street rat rat. for sure and she is better at more things than han the things that han is great at um flying 
being a leader ultimately, you know, um, and uh, coming up with crazy long play schemes. He's way better at than Jin, but she's better at fighting. She's better at scrapping. She's had to, even though she had an amazing, she's smarter. Intelligence is a characteristic of this mm-hmm. class. Um, sure. Dexterity, I would say Jin in, in a knife fight with, with Han. I mean, I would definitely Probably. take Jin. Um, I, I don't think Jin, I don't was think trained, Han Solo would climb dude, up a giant She was trained by database. Saw Gerrera. She was trained by Saw Gerrera. And w- again, this is a lore podcast. Right. Without Saw Gerrera, the rebellion would have been a lot of moderate American Democrats in 2018 twiddling their fingers in Capitol Hill doing nothing. Everyone says Saul was a ruthless terrorist. Well, without him pushing Mon Mothma in the rebellion, they would have never gotten to action. And Jin is the connection through Saul from right. the Clone Wars into the new tr- the new the new movies. She's the, the 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 key by far. She's much more reminiscent of Princess Leia than Rey. I know right. Rey's the new head female character, but you have to admit, you know, Rey or Jin influence from Leia. It's forget the princess thing, personality wise, fighting and everything thing skills wise and so because of all this i had to give Jin a look but you know what i'm feeling nostalgic tonight man and everyone <laughs> loves han solo i haven't looked at any list where han solo is not the most popular character for me the easiest one was monk chirut imway i know you've seen rogue one once you don't like mm-hmm. it um but it's done but, no, but he character. was my favorite character by it, by a wide margin he was my favorite character i mean th- there's two characters that were most loved that him and who would you guess would be the other k2so yeah k2so and we're definitely getting k2so like at alan tudic at celebration baby oh have you been watching the dc show with him no. Sorry, no doom squad doom patrol oh doom patrol i haven't seen that yet i don't i don't subscribe to that um to the streaming site service oh, okay alistair uh, gives a big thumbs up he thinks he's yeah great. it's gotten good reviews yeah. um and alistair's so, uh, the guy who's like hardcore dc but can loves uh like you know uh tongue-in-cheek stuff too so I've heard this is very tongue-in-cheek, very yeah. quirky very offbeat but it seems which, very for- dc as well very nerdy yeah, yeah. Yep, that's what the the Batman uh, side note. Lo, lo, I love one of my favorite uh, underrated movies the last few years is the Batman Lego Movie because it was so biting in some ways, but it also was like oh, yeah. very reverential or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, Chirrutin Way was described as basically a force monk before the movie came out. He's mm-hmm. got, he's blind, uh, but can see. Man, we've never seen this before. Daredevil, Dune, uh, Kanan, and Star Wars Rebels, samurai stuff. Um, yep. And uh, I did think what was, co- what was cool, man, was that on paper you're like, okay, the two Chinese guys are like the spiritual guys, but you yeah. know, Eastern but that's not how it played out i mean sure was a believer but it was very grounded in in world philosophy and and Baze was like a straight up like fuck that you know he was a chain character like from firefly but, um but he was once one of the greatest guardians so he was he was sure. an apostate that's true you know that was the, his his reclamation it was in the end he died you know trying to save his buddy but um he was once one of the great the great guardians but sure has got you know Yen is one of the great um movie uh martial, martial artists, artists ever yeah um matt and i talked off uh, off mic a little bit about the man movies we mentioned it earlier in the podcast but the, just unbelievable choreography and fighting he does all the 
stunts and he was 53 or 54 when they filmed Rogue One. You watch it, he does all the stuff. It's a totally pointless martial arts battle against stormtroopers, but we had never seen it before. And then it turns out that his little staff that he was fighting with is also a light bow and he can take down TIE fighters with it, which is fucking sweet. So he's got, he's got, oh, but this is, this is the thing I wanted to ask you, man, was... Right. There, some of these classes tap into magical powers like yes. the monk, but aren't magical, right? So how does no, that work? No, they tap into key. So that's perfectly true. But I, 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 yeah, go go ahead. Sure, I'll get into it in a sec. The thing I would also add in that yes. character's favor is, as we just said, he is the star of the Ip Man franchise, and there is an episode of Critical Role where Mercier's character. <laughs> Uh, a monk named Beauregard yeah. literally says, I go full it man on this guy. So it makes complete sense that your character would be a character played by the guy whose other role is heavily inspiring the monk on critical role right now. So I totally support that decision. The way monks work is their power comes from something called key K I and her it's yes but they don't call it that because i don't think they want that's how like, it's spelled in the old pigeon they changed it now to be spelled cheap that's probably for sensitivity reasons like they don't want to be seen to be white people co-opting real eastern st- whatever agree with it or don't it's key now k-i um no no i, I was saying as a compliment was like they, right. they were showing respect to the concept yeah so I th- it I was so. either chi so or the force and the force is chi so right. why not go with the real thing because chinese and japanese have been doing this for five thousand years it was exactly. uh, it was a compliment to everyone go ahead right so the way it works is you have x number of key points and i think they're just however whatever your level is so if you're level one you have one key point if you're two you have etc uh and then when you connect you can use key points to augment your abilities you can use them to do extra attacks per turn you can use them to run faster you can use them to um uh, do what's called a stunning strike where if you hit the guy basically loses his next turn and it's much easier to hit him until the stunned effect wears off. It's a really useful um, uh, tactic. Do you choose? Is this like stunting? uh, So the way it works, each one is is a little bit different. If you want to do the running key move, which is called step of the wind, you just do it. You use a key point and then you can use... I you get your you. full movement back, basically, and you can use that. If yeah. you do flurry of blows, you just get those extra mm-hmm. attacks. If you want to do stunning strike, the other guy has to make what's called a uh, save. Basically, he rolls a d20, and he has to hit a certain number um, that I think is – I think it's, it's either dex or wisdom save. I can't remember. And if he fails it, then he's stunned. Um, and then there's other key stuff that I don't know as much about because can that's I? all – has uh, would you um allow me to read just a couple sentences from the official description about this about what you're talking yes. about because what's interesting is this is gonna sound exactly like the force and that yet the character i picked is someone who can t- uh be passively in touch with the force but is not a force user sure. says key energy is an element of the magic that suffuses the multiverse so there you have i just want to make sure. a note that's very untolkien but very the kind of fantasy yeah. i love that works in um multiverse ty- uh, quantum physics stuff uh mm-hmm. specifically the element that flows through all living bodies that sounds like right. a yoda speech monks yep. harness this power create magical effects exceed their yep. body's physical capacities 
They can even hinder the flow of key and others. That's um, what stunning strike is. But yeah, this sounds like an amazing card game, like a, like a <laughs> like a like a deck building game. This is awesome. I mean, that's a, this is essentially what's going on in Magic, I guess, depending on what you're playing. Um, kind of, yeah. Like the way that mana works, kind of. In that you're, you, the combat is happening on sort of a semi-neutral ground that's, mm-hmm. you know, all living things. So the right. question is, uh, is Chur the perfect monk example in terms of, like, being able to feel and benefit from the force slash chi slash living force, whatever, but not actually be a magic user or force user? Yeah, I, I, I really... Interesting. So what... Uh, yeah. If I had remembered who Chiru was when I read that name, I should have just said list, Donnie Yen. That's I always say. Even yeah, to people who are Star Donnie Wars fans, Yen, I've been like, yeah. oh yeah, of course. I mean, he uses a staff, and the and the kinds of weapons monks can use is kind of limited, but a staff is one of the the go to ones. He doesn't wear armor; he just wears a robe, which is very monk like because you know monks are dexterity based, so you don't want armor that's going to impede your speed. Um, so you wear like leathers or 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 nothing. Um, so no, I, I think Chiruit is the perfect choice. Awesome. What do you got for me, Batman? Because literally, he was trained by ninjas. I mean, the monk is the the. How ninjas how are- close is Batman Begins to anything in the literature? Uh. In a lot of versions of it, I don't is- mean to sound ignorant, but I honestly want to know the answers to this because you. Well, I don't think the like I don't think the League of Assassins was a thing when Batman was written by uh, Bob Kane and Bill Finger back in the 30s, but in all modern like versions of the origin story, he goes east to train and you almost always winds up with Rachel Ghoul and the League of Assassins. I mean, he gets ninja training. He is fast and not strong. Monks are sort of designed to do a lot of quick hits and then get out of town. You know, they're not supposed to stand there and get punched. Batman is very much about kind of ducking and weaving. And, you know, like in Batman Begins, when he takes down those gangster, those uh, mobsters in the harbor, you know, he hits one, then he f- jumps away. Then he hits the next, then he jumps away. That's all very monk-like. I, th- I think Batman is an obvious choice for uh, Monk uh, if we're going by DC characters. I would love to see Ryan Coogler do a Batman movie. Just saying, um, with the fighting. <laughs> I would watch any movie ba- Ryan Coogler did. Um, I think uh, so. Sure, yeah, I'm sure he would do a great bat- uh, Batman movie. Um, I would also say yeah. in the Dark Knight Returns graphic novel, he is mm-hmm. fighting a much larger monster, a big, like thuggish-looking dude. Which I have right the- here. I got everything. I got the bo- I got right. the DD five E out. I got the comic books. Everything. Go ahead. Right, so he's fighting this guy called the Mutant Leader, and the way he beats him is by hitting him in his pressure points, yep. by hitting him in places that will stun his muscles so he can't swing, by doing little – he, like, gives him a little cut above the eye, which doesn't hurt, but it bleeds constantly into his eye so he can't see. Mm-hmm. All of that is very monk-like problem-solving. You know, that's not how a fighter would beat a big thug guy. That's how a, a monk would beat him. Yeah, and even with all of Batman's technology, he still has to be strategic in his fighting, even while, you know, brutal at times, I guess. Yeah, and he still mostly does fight hand-to-hand. He has tech that he uses to move around and Mm -hmm. to 
investigate shit, but he's not, you know, he doesn't usually fight with anything other than maybe batarangs yeah. and monks have throwing stars. I mean, that mm-hmm. that's one of their, their signature weapons. So mm-hmm. again, perfect monk. What's, uh, what class is Jester? Uh, Jester is a cleric. Oh, perfect transition. I didn't even realize it. Um, I will say really quickly, as we make very quick uh, critical role references throughout, um, I don't know how they would sustain four to five hours without Lara Bailey there regularly, um, especially with the Jester character. She she just keeps talking when nothing else is happening, and it's (laughs) hilarious. But the biggest, like, almost fall off the couch belly laughs are the occasional Beauregard one-liners. I mean, Marisha Ray will just say something out of nowhere, and the, it'll take the guys in Lord Bailey a second to catch on to her joke, and then they'll all just start cracking up, and she's got a totally stone face, man. Much respect. Uh, uh, oh, man. Those, those, those guys are so great and so inspiring. Um, so, uh, uh so okay, so here we go, man. We're entering into the the, 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 the back half, and we're entering into the spellcasters. This is going to be um, more fluid between uh, cleric, paladin, ranger, druid, warlock, sorcerer, wizard. Yep. A little bit. Uh, I specifically wanted paladin in the middle to give you the opportunity to talk for a minute or two if you want about your paladin experience, and I specifically want to put cleric in the middle. Um, okay. And I, I think we have as clerics not just the two, arguably the two strongest and most capable female superhero mainstream characters in history in, in Leia Organa and Diana Prince, uh, mm-hmm. but arguably the two most capable and morally indefatigable um, uh, characters and, you know, um, that we've seen again. I, I have to, you know, <laughs> put the Star Wars legendary characters up with the superheroes. Um, I think Leia has tons of superpowers that have nothing to do with her her potential force powers. But I want to let you go first about how Wonder Woman is your cleric. I thought for sure she'd be a paladin or a fighter or maybe a couple different things. So you know I love Wonder Woman. You know I love Gal Gadot. I lo- even read a lot of the comic books. Uh, go ahead, buddy. Sure. So the thing about clerics is that they are good combat classes who also have a heavy ability to heal. You know, usually a D&D party that doesn't have any healers is really going to be hurting pretty quickly. Yeah. And clerics are very commonly the healing class that somebody or more than one person plays because they're good in fights. They can hold up. They can wear plate armor so they can really take a beating. They can attack well. They can heal from a distance, whereas paladins, the healing pool, you got to be a little bit closer to use. So I really went back and forth about whether or not I thought Wonder Woman would, would make a better paladin or a cleric, both of which are warriors who are empowered by gods. Obviously, uh, Wonder Woman's powers come from the Greek pantheon. She is either made of clay and given life by the gods, or she is the daughter of Zeus, whichever origin story you go by doesn't matter. The reason I went with Cleric with her is, while there's never any scenes in comics of her healing, there are many of her comforting people, of her trying to 
soothe victims, protect people. You see a lot of that in the Wonder Woman movie too, like where she wants to stop and help the baby while they're walking to the boat that's going to take them to Belgium for the, you know, the big battle, the no man's land battle. Uh, so she I has thought- an area effect spell that actually, and this, I want do you mind if I a little bit make a connection with my character? Cause it's similar. Yeah. I, I think both Leia and um, Diana have sort of an area effect spell that right. immediately grabs anyone who has any goodness in them or, or wants to be good and gets more powerful the longer you spend around them, assuming that you have a good heart, like Chris Pine's character and their whole team, sure. for example, or everyone with the rebellion, now the resistance, even dummies like Poe and Han Solo at times, right? They always Agreed. come back. Um, and I call the, so, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, uh, and I've been again, deficient on this. I believe wisdom and charisma are both important with, with clerics. Um, that I'd have to look up. Yeah. So keep talking. Accor- well, according to D and D book, it's wisdom and charisma are the defining proficiencies, abilities, whatever. Um, and we know based on her, uh, you know, many hundreds of years of reading Greek philosophy that Diana is apparently quite well read and and sort of naturally wise, even while super naive about the real world. Leia Mm -hmm. is the opposite. Leia is like, uh, it's funny, man. I I was thinking, do you see in the back of my mind, 14 year old Leia is, is Barbara Gordon pre Batgirl discovery. Like <laughs> she's Babs. Like she's great at everything. She's a kid. She discovers her dad's involvement in the rebellion by accident, and they try and ban her from it until they realize she's so brilliant. Even as a fourteen-year-old, they have to include her in it. Um, and she has this charisma effect on people, but it is based on having an innate wisdom about like just what's right and what's wrong, Mm -hmm. but also being book smart and, you know, being wise in sort of the, um, the learned ways. I mean, there's so many similarities. Like I know like wonder woman's got super strength and can fly. Well, maybe Carrie Fisher can fly, you know, (laughs) depending on, yeah, it seems like she can. Um, Um, also she was, I mean, she's a princess. She was raised in a royal court. One would expect she had a really good education that taught her a lot about just the ways of things. And and, and for the listeners, Matt, you you will verify that I did not on purpose (laughs) put my two favorite female you know movie characters of recent years and leia and diana on this list on purpose like leia i stumbled across on my own which i'll talk about in a sec right but there was no there was no foul play here you you arrived on it was there any um a competition for it or or was it more like you you just was like oh yeah this makes sense yeah no it was Basically, the only other uh, character that I could think of that really had a, a divine power source was Captain Marvel, mm. the, the the DC one, Shazam, whatever you want to call him. Yeah. And the more I thought about it, and we'll get to this when we get to Paladins, yes. the more I thought Shazam made sense as a Paladin, mm-hmm. or at least I kind of thought of those two, Wonder Woman made more sense as a cleric. Mm-hmm. She could be a perfectly great Paladin, but Shazam makes no sense as a Paladin because mm-hmm. he is not a a comforting character at all. He's a run up there and punch people kind of a character. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
you know, you were right, by the way. Wisdom is one of the critical skills uh, abilities for clerics. Constitution is also really important because you got to stay upright. I mean, Leia died and she's still alive, so. (laughs) But they can wear armor. And Wonder Woman, in fact, does wear armor in some mm-hmm. comics. She's because she becomes the goddess of war at one point. She has sort of the golden war armor, not just sort of that leotard thing that she usually wears. So yeah, I I, I think she makes perfect sense, and I yeah I think Leia makes good sense as a cleric as well. So, you know, in the description, it talks a lot about the planes of the gods, the powers of the gods, the deities. Um, the, 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 one of the problems with this class for me, man, was that, you know, again, playing tons of Western RPGs, Japanese RPGs, the definition of clerk could literally be a straight up priest with like only priestly powers to Mm -hmm. what you described in the beginning, which was kind of a reverse paladin where they both have fighting and healing. Here's a little bit more healing, but still a lot of fighting. So cleric is so... So, and as you know, being a cleric or a healer in World of Warcraft or or, or those kinds of games is right. a thankless task. Yes. Which is why it's hilarious that Felicia Day is one and portrayed herself as one in um, in her web series uh, dealing with her actual addiction to, to Warcraft um, because she's just that kind of person in the thankless task of healing everyone while they, mm-hmm. you know, fought or casted spells or whatever, right? I mean, do you have a healer well, in your party? Yeah, uh, Yes. Um, I think maybe at, we have at least a cleric, and I think our druid can also heal a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, but we have one, and maybe at least a second. And because I play a paladin, mm-hmm. I can heal. I just mm-hmm. the 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 sessions I've been in with them, the opportunity didn't really present itself as necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, to back up what you're saying, though, so uh, you guys talked on your awkward gamers podcast about the Overwatch League. They will show in a typical Overwatch League match every player except the guy playing the healers. Like whoever is playing Mercy or Valkyrie or whichever Overwatch characters are meant to heal. Well, camera angles are one of many problems for them, but yeah. I like the way that they present the game. That's besides the point. They will show you the Hmm. tank guys. They will show you the uh, support guys, the sniper guys. You never get the point of view of the healers on that, ever. Like I've, I've watched nine or ten matches and i've never once seen them show what no. the healer no, no. from the healer's perspective so yeah healing in like online games mm-hmm. thankless and in so, world of warcraft yeah. there isn't really a healer there's just you have healing abilities you know you just have potions or whatever i, right. I thought the cleric uh, uh discussion would be much longer and philosophical but you summed it up completely in your initial statement about sort of this passive but super powerful nebulous but for real healing kind of aura that Wonder Woman has, that I think Leia has too. Comforting aura, yeah. Yeah. Um, and While so, still being yeah. able to fight quite well and deal damage and be offensive when mm-hmm. that's what's required of, of her. And I think you would agree with me that healing in, in the real world is so much more than just medical healing. There's so many things Total. about us that need to be healed, you know, oh, uh, yeah. some that we're aware of, some that we're not aware of. And sometimes we need Leia Organas and Diana Princes to, to heal us, you know, inspire healing. Um, and the fact that they uh, uh, 
kind of like a rogue, but you know, but but like all on the good side, I guess. You know, having many tools um, a- a- available, but here all in the healing category. Um, you know, it, with Overwatch, you know, people don't survive more than 30 to 60 seconds and Dungeons and Dragons, you're playing for hours at a time. So I would assume in parties, man, um, clerics would have to make some sort of a decision about whether they're going to be more just selfless, you know, healing people or jumping into the action or whatever. Like Leia always wants to get into the action when she's 18, she can do it as she gets older. She has to be a diplomat and a general, um, I don't know what older Diana Prince is like, if there's even such a thing. Um, but do you well, see in Kingdom you know? Come, she's pretty bitter and warlike. Um, Interesting. But so I, I think I mean I can't speak for everybody who's ever played a cleric, but I would assume you assess the battle, yep. and early on, when probably everybody's okay, you try to go on the offensive a little bit because most clerics will have at least a few pretty good offensive spells. They'll have. Toll the Dead, which is a pretty powerful attack cantrip, or they'll have Spiritual Weapon, which mm-hmm. basically lets them summon a thing that stays on the field for as long as they're alive and gives them a free bonus action attack. Mm-hmm. Then when people start getting hurt, then they start maybe switching to healing if they can. You know, Sometimes a party gets too far separated for their healing abilities to be useful. And to close this out for me, we're jumping to Paladin, which I know is of great interest to you. The, the one-line description for Cleric is a priestly champion who wields yep. divine magic in service of a higher power. But if I substitute the word force or goodness into some of those words, mm-hmm. it would sound very much like what people like Leia are doing. And I think you could also pull that into the comic book universe as well, less tied directly to the Dungeons and Dragons gods, who are interesting, but you don't want to be limited by that, especially in our bizarre exercise here, right? But I think it's clear that, you know, Leia, I mean, we've only seen Diana Prince once, but it was very memorable, even though there was problems with the movies and people have split opinions, but the character was very memorable and very believable within what they were trying to accomplish, which Mm -hmm. was they are in service of a higher power. Leia would never say it. And part of the reason she doesn't use the force is she's scared and suspicious. And part of it is she, there's a part of her that's like Han that does think it's hocus pocus also, you know, but she can touch it. We, we you know, as soon as Luke tells her that their, their brother's sister, she can send Luke. We have to, th- you know, she's got some passive stuff going on. Sure. Um, but do you see what I'm saying? Like divine is very loaded and sort of Christian God. Um, uh, uh, imagery but if you talk about a higher power a higher cause i think diana prince and 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 leo organa whenever their faults and portrayal and and, in character uh, are at the top of that list so i i salute you sir that was a great pick on your on your part uh thanks mine was extremely predictable (laughs) and and just like with batman and superman yeah how are they not somewhere on my list yeah i mean yep Yep, and that's that, that's what this is great. I, I I've never done a list like this where it's like you think you're gonna be like all oh, like alternative picks. You're like, no, I throw Batman in here, throw Princess Leia in there. Um, so okay, man. Now we get to the two what I, I would consider most multidisciplinary classes. Mm-hmm. Again, bringing in lots of baggage that's not specifically D and D, but is D and D inspired or adjacent or whatever, which is the right. Paladin and the Ranger. 